I guess a lot of you have been out to our place. We've got 14 acres. And a uh, long time ago, I understand that it used to be a cotton field, that and the land to the west of us and to the east of us, they used to do cotton. Well, at some point, they quit growing cotton, and they kind of let it grow up. And when we bought the land, the, the front part of it was kind of clear. And then there's a creek that goes in through the middle of it with a lot of trees, and the back part was growing up more. But in the front part, there were just lots of uh, all sorts of trees and scrubby trees and bodarks and these thorn bushes, or not bushes, but trees with these huge thorns on them. And so over the years, back when the kids were younger, we got out there and we would concentrate in a certain area and we would go clear out those trees and cut them down and, and burn them and everything. But we were just doing it by hand. So all we had was either a handsaw or a chainsaw. And so we would, at first, we didn't cut it off too close to the ground. Then when we messed up a few lawnmowers, we realized we need to cut them flush with the ground. But we still didn't have a stump grinder. We didn't have a bulldozer. We were just doing everything by hand. Well, any of you that been out, lived out in the country, you know where this is going. It's not very long before those stumps start growing little branches out of them. And if you're diligent and get out there and mow, you can just go over them with a mower and mow them right off. But if you wait, then these little bitty growths start getting to be sticks. And then they get to be branches. And you can't mow them anymore. And then you've got to go back out there again. And you've got to use something like a machete or a chainsaw or an axe or something to start chopping at these. And if you neglect it, these just get to be like big bushes just growing out from this stump. And I say all that to say this. For the past two or three months, we've had a series that we called Faux Pas. And during the series, we've talked about uh, sins that, that maybe we realize are sins, but maybe we just don't realize they're serious sins, and we don't realize maybe we're guilty of them. We've talked about stuff like envy and gossip, lying and deception, vengeance, laziness, selfishness. And, and heard some really, really good lessons. I've been really impressed. But we need to remember, while we're working on these things, that we need to get to the root of the matter. And like us on our land, we were chopping away at what we could see and getting rid of that. And you look out there and say, wow, the land looks great. But we never did get the roots out. Have you ever seen them use a bulldozer? They'll push that tree and it'll just push it over and then the roots come out with it and it doesn't grow back. Ours, the problem we had, is it grew back. And as Christians, we can work on all these things and we can read where we're not supposed to do them and get ideas how to overcome particular sins and we can work on these sins, but we need to not forget to work on the root of the matter and the root of the matter is our heart. You know, you can be a, what we call a good Christian and still not have your heart right with God. There's a song that says, Is your heart right with God? In Matthew 15, Jesus got on to the scribes and Pharisees, and in verse 9, he described them this way. He said, These people draw near to me with their mouth. Here's a religious people. They are doing and saying godly things and acting like godly people. But Jesus says, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So while you and I are working on stuff like gluttony and envy and jealousy and lying, we need to look deeper and work on our heart also. 
Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, um, what comes out of, let's see, um, in verse 20 he says, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, an evil lie, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Jesus said all these things come out of our heart. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, talked about adultery, and he says, but I say to you that if a man looks after a woman to lust after her, he's already committed adultery. You know why? Because he wants to do that. It's in his heart. And so the, the next step to actually do it is just a small step. The big problem is the heart. And that's what Jesus says here in Mark. All these problems come from our heart. So while we're working on envy and stuff, we need to also be working on our heart. In Romans chapter 1, verse 24, uh, Paul says, talking about some really wicked people, said, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts. The problem is, these people don't want to do what God wants them to do. They want to do what they want to do. Have you ever seen a TV show or something, or a movie, and maybe a guy's on a boat, and uh, he's on the boat, and he needs something, or there's somebody over here or something, so he reaches out to grab it, but when he does, the boat goes further out. Now he's holding on here and holding on here, and he doesn't know what to do, and then depending on the movie, maybe he just falls in the water. And that's the way we are as humans. We're over here, and our life is not good. Uh, got lots of problems in our life, and we look over there at the Christians, and we go, man, they've got a good marriage. They've got good kids. They're so happy. They never fight. And we say, I want that too. And so then we become a Christian. But we don't want to change what we've been doing. We want to hold on to our old habits and old things, the movies we watch, the books we read, the people people we hang. We don't want to change. We want what's over here, but we don't want to let go of what we've been doing. And to be a Christian, I'm sorry, but we're just going to have to make some sacrifices. We look at Christianity and think, oh, that's nice, that's easy. And for someone that's been a Christian for a long time, maybe it is, but at first it's not. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, if any man desires to come after me, that's someone who wants to be a Christian. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. You know what a cross was for? A cross was well known to anybody that lived in Rome. When they executed a prisoner, it wasn't in some jail down in South Texas at midnight when everyone's asleep not paying attention. They set crosses up, like this big road that goes through Denton 380. They set crosses up along there, and they would crucify these people, and they would sit out there and take all day or two or three days to die, and everybody passing through saw what was going on, and that was Rome's message. You better not do what this guy did. So when Jesus tells the Christians, you think, well, Jesus hadn't died yet. They didn't understand what a cross was. Sure they understood what a cross was. Jesus wasn't the first to die on a cross. Jesus said, let him take up his cross. You know what that means? Something or someone is going to have to die. And that's what Jesus says here. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Colossians chapter 3 says, Put to death, or the old King James says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Then he lists sins. When we become a Christian, something has got to die. In Luke chapter 13 and verse, uh, the beginning of the chapter, there were some present at that season, some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they allowed such things? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will also die. And then he tells another story and repeats the same thing. Except you repent, you will all likewise die. When we become Christians, we've got to make some sacrifices. And it may be hard. We've got to change our heart. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So here's what we've got to change. Paul says, I beseech you. To beseech isn't just a simple ask. It's a, please do this. I beg you, you've got to do this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now get this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I said we've got to change our heart. We've got to get at the root of the matter. We can fight sin all day long, but if our heart is not right with God, we're never going to win the battle. Jesus, or Paul said, the renewing of your mind. So what does it mean to, to renew our mind? In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 5, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, the way you probably heard that said is, what would Jesus do? That's a simple way of saying this. What Paul is saying here, you've got to stop thinking like you've always thought, and you've got to start thinking like Jesus thinks. Jesus and, and John, he tells over and over, he says, I didn't come to do what I wanted to. I came to do what God wanted me to do. I didn't come to say what I want to say. I came to say what God told me to say. Jesus just constantly says, I and my Father are one. What he meant was that by that was that I want the same thing that God wants. And as Christians, we've got to have the mind of Christ. We've got to want the same things Jesus wants. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, um, If you were then raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Something has got to change. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. So how do you renew your mind? I propose to you that we renew our mind by changing our actions. You said, now wait a minute. You said a while ago we couldn't change our actions without changing our heart, but now you're saying we can't change our heart without changing our actions. Well, that, bear with me. Zig Ziglar tells a story. At one time he was overweight, 
and he went to the doctor, and I don't know, I can't remember if he said something to the doctor or the doctor said something to him about losing weight. And the doctor said, uh, he's going to put him on a diet and start exercising. He says, you can eat anything you want, and here's a list of things you want. <laughs> but Zig tells a story that he started running, and he was out of shape. You know, he, he didn't have an outdoor job. He was out of shape and overweight. And so he took up running, and every day he ran, whether he felt like it or not. And he ran, and he ran, and he didn't like it. But he followed the diet, he exercised, and he started losing weight. And Zig tells a story, I can't remember where it was, but he had got into town the night before, and that evening he was going to speak at a college. And that morning he got up, put on his running clothes, put on his tennis shoes, and he said it was a beautiful spring morning. He got out and he started running like was his habit. And all of a sudden, he realized he enjoyed it. And if you stop and think, anything that you're good at now, unless you learned it as a, maybe a kid and didn't put any thought into it, anything that you've accomplished as an adult that's easy for you and that you enjoy and that you're good at, was probably hard when you started. Just like with Zig Ziglar, feelings follow actions. Nothing that you or I will ever do, learning a language, learning a musical instrument, learning how to do woodwork, nothing is going to be fun at first. It's going to be hard. You said or you've heard others, oh, I'll never get the hang of this. This is so hard. But when we persist, the day hits us when we say, this is fun. If you stop and think, in the Bible, there is no place where God tells us how to feel. Everything in the Bible is something we have to do. We have to tell the truth. We have to be nice to our wives. We have to be nice to our kids. We have to be honest. Everything from Matthew all the way to the end is something we've got to do. Jesus never tells us how we should feel. So to renew our mind, we've got to start doing some stuff. The first two things I'll list is that we've got to spend time with God. How do you renew a friendship? You're in the grocery store and you see someone that you hadn't seen in 10 or 15 years. Someone used to be a next door neighbor, uh, someone you went to school with. And you go, Josh, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in forever. It's so good to see you. Oh, man, I missed you. What have you been up to? And so you talk. And you say, let's get together again. So, okay. Now, if you just go your ways and don't get each other's phone number and never talk to each other again, have you renewed your friendship? Of course not. How do you renew a friendship? You say, give me your number and let's get together. How would you like to bring your family over next Saturday for hot dogs and have? Oh, I would love that. Let's do that. So you get together and you trade Text, phone calls during the week. So good to see you again. I'm so excited about Saturday. You get together Saturday, and then you make plans. Hey, we're going on a vacation. Do you want to go? And so what do you do? You start spending time together. And you, you renew that friendship. You start getting close. You catch up on old news. You get to know each other again. You learn who they married and what job they've got now. How can we get close to God? By spending time with them. Psalms 119 Verse uh, 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. There is no way to get to know God if we don't spend time in his word. The Bible 
is God talking to us. Sometimes people say, oh, God told me, you know, spoke to me. God didn't speak to you in your heart. God speaks to you right here. And, of course, that's, that's good for an application. That's another subject for another time. This is God talking to us. And we can't know what God thinks. We can't have the mind of Christ if we don't know what Christ thinks, if we don't know what Christ said. And then we've got to spend time talking back, talking to God. Philippians 4 and verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is God talking to us. Prayer is us talking back to God. Now, anyone that's a parent, you know what your kids need, don't you? They need food. They need clean clothes. They need to go to school. You know what your kids need. But you want them to ask you, don't you? You want them to thank you when you give it to them. You don't want them to just take it and go on and act like you're nothing. God wants us to talk to us. He knows what we need, but he still wants us to talk to him. Prayer is us talking to God. When I was a Cub Scout, every year they had a Scout Jamboree, and that's where the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts would go out, and they would demonstrate some of the skills that they were learning, camping skills or whittling or whatever. And it, it was usually like at the fair park, you know, so there was, it was a big deal. And every year to raise money, we sold tickets. When I was little, it was 50 cents each. Of course, everyone will give a Cub Scout 50 cents for a ticket, even if they're not going to go. My mother was involved in Cub Scouts, and she said, I'll buy a ticket from the first boy that asked me. Well, I thought, cool. Well, I never asked her. And you know what she did? You know what my mom did to me? She bought a ticket from one of the other Cub Scouts. And I said, why didn't you buy a ticket from me? And she said, you didn't ask. <laughs> we need to talk to God. We need to let him know what we want. Romans 12 and verse 12 says that we should be steadfast in prayer. The old King James says instant in prayer. You know what? I can leave the house and about an hour later, maybe Monday morning, after spending all weekend with Angie, I can leave the house and about two hours later, my phone will ring and I'll look and it'll be Angie. And I say, hey, what's up? She goes, well, I didn't have anything to say. I just wanted to talk to you. I just wanted to hear your voice. And I said, yeah, me too. It's good to talk to you. And then later in the day, she, she may call on another day. She said, hey, where are you right now? I say, well, I'm in Sherman working on pools. Well, I'm gonna, I've got to go get groceries. Do you want to meet up for lunch? Sure. So we meet up for lunch and we visit. Later that day, uh, I'm working. It's hot. I'm having trouble fixing something. And, I go, ah, and the customer's upset with me. Just having a bad afternoon. I get in the car and leave, and I call Angie. I said, I just wanted to talk to someone friendly. And you think, that's ridiculous. Well, no, it's not. If you've got a good marriage, you like to be with your husband or your wife. You like to talk to them constantly. That's what Paul talked about when he said steadfast in prayer or instant in prayer. That's something that, that we should want to do. We should want to be with God. We should want to be close to him. Another way that we can renew our mind besides getting in God's word and praying to God is by changing our thinking. Jim Dornan said, if you don't change your direction, you'll get where you're going. And a lot of times we want to change our life. Mike has told, talked to me about counseling people. A lot of people, they don't want to change. They just want the pain to stop. They're having marriage problems, and their marriage is horrible. And so Mike or whoever goes in and talks to them and say, here's what you need to do. Well, they don't want to do those things. 
They want to keep doing what they're doing, but they want the problems to go away. And that just doesn't work. If you, if you don't change your direction, you'll get where you're going. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. One of the, maybe not be related, but one of the sourest people I know reads the newspaper from front to back every day. But I'm reminded of the mother that wouldn't let her kids watch the news because she says news stands for nothing entertaining or worth seeing. And the more we mature, the more we get into Christianity, we see that things like Kim Kardashian and the Grammys and the Emmys and, and what this particular actor says and this divorce of these actors and actresses, they're just such trivial stuff. Why do we surround ourselves with this kind of stuff? Paul just gives us a whole list right here in Philippians of the things that we need to be thinking about. Someone said that there's nothing good or bad except what our mind makes out of it. Uh, two people can be in the exact same situation and one person can be miserable and the other person with good, positive thoughts. You know, for example, this too will pass. Better times are coming. Can be happy in the same situation. One of the ways we can renew our mind is by changing our thinking. Another way that we can renew our mind is by fellowship. Charlie Tremendous Jones is an insurance salesman and a motivational speaker, and he said, you're the same person seven years from now that you are today except for the people you meet and the books you read. The people you meet and the books you read. The people you meet and the books you read. I talked earlier about we want what Christianity has to offer, but we don't want to let go of our old friends. Charlie Jones says, you're going to be the same person seven years ago except, or seven years from now except for the people you meet. And that's why fellowship is so important. Danielle told me just a day or two ago, met a family that lives nearby and they're homeschooled and they've got like eight or nine kids, wonderful kids. I love every one of those kids. I love the parents, great people. Danielle said, and the wife's name is Carmen. Danielle says, I really like to spend time with Carmen and Mariah because they're so calm and they speak to their kids so politely. I, I love to watch how they interact with their, their kids. Of course, anyone that knows Danielle knows that she's impulsive and whatever she thinks, she says, which gets her in trouble. Danielle says, I like to be with Carmen and Mariah and watch the way they talk to their kids. Being around good people is going to rub off on you. Being around bad people is going to rub off on you too. And we've got a choice. We've got to renew our mind by being around good people. Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, a lot of I guess we can approach things from a negative or positive way, and a lot of people have used this verse to say, you need to be at church every time. Well, let's look at it the other way. 
Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. When I miss church, there's a lot of things, other things I miss, but I don't get to see you. I like to talk to Larry and Zach and Sean and Kyle and, and Dusty. I like to talk to you, and you're encouraging me. And the more I get to know of you, we get to talking about stuff. And sometimes one of us will confess a, a weakness or ask for help or ask for advice. And any time I'm not here, I miss all of you. And I tell Angie sometimes we'll have a Saturday night deal. I say, I wish we would do this more often. I miss a lot by not being around you. And you miss a lot by not being around these people too. There is probably nobody in this world except for other Christians that we know in other churches. There is nobody in this world that wants your success and your happiness like these people sitting next to you. I heard a story the other day about a woman that had started, a Christian woman had started uh, college, got married, had kids, quit college, and she went back later when, when her kids were teenagers and, and working a full-time job, and she still went back to college and got her degree. And the guy telling me the story said, you know why she, he said, as hard as it was, you know why she stuck to it? I said, why is that? He said, because her husband said, you're too stupid to finish college. And some of you come from families like that. That was a husband telling his wife that. Some parents, and maybe you grew up in a house like this, tell their kids, you're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. You're no good. You won't hear that here. You're not going to hear that from God. You're not going to hear that from Jesus. And you're not going to hear that from Yancey. There's nobody in this world that wants your success, maybe even more than your own family or your own spouse. There's nobody that wants your happiness and success more than these people here. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And when, we, when we're not around these people, we miss out on that. That is one of the best ways to renew your mind. Daniel said, I like being around Carmen and Mariah. I've got a friend like that, a guy my age. Our boys were best friends in school. And I've always had a bad temper and, and gotten mad easily. And he's just so even-tempered. And I tell myself after I'm around him, I said, I need to be more like Kent. We need to be around other Christians. We need to be careful about the way we spend our time and our money. Matthew chapter 6. Let's see here. Where are we? Matthew 6 verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whatever's important to you in life, that's where your heart's going to be. And so we need to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves the hard question, what's important to me? And one of the best ways to do that is what do you spend your time doing and what do you spend your money on? Is that your treasure? I think I mentioned this recently, but I remember years ago, Jay Henderson asked, talking about the contribution, he said, do you spend more on, inter 
Of course, there's no rule about what we have to do and everyone can do differently. But Jay just asked the question that hit me. He said, do you spend more on entertainment than you do on the church? And I thought, wow. You know, it's possible. So, so those are all the ways that I've come up with to renew our mind through. Knowing God's word, prayer, fellowship, uh, changing our thinking. That's how we can renew our mind. Did you know that it's possible to be a Christian and still be lost? In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 20, Jesus says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. We say, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's going to be lots of people lost. He says, but he who does the will of my Father, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? These are religious people. These are not the people without committing adultery and murdering. These are religious people. He says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Did you know that it's possible, in spite of the fact that Jesus says he's come, that we might have life and have it more abundantly? It's possible to be a Christian and sit here with other Christians who are happy, and you yourself are miserable. You know why? Well, it's like we talked about earlier. You see what you want, but you don't want to let go of other things. It's possible to be a Christian and be lost and to be a Christian and be miserable. We, at the same time that we're concentrating on gluttony and envy and jealousy and stuff like this, we need to watch our heart. Keep your heart. That's what we need to walk on, work on. So I just want to sum it up this way. Jesus was before Pilate. and Because everyone back then thought, you know, there had been a Jewish kingdom with David and Saul and Solomon's kings. And so the Jews thought that one day God was going to restore the kingdom in Jerusalem. And there would be another king to sit on the throne. But Jesus told Pilate when he was getting crucified during his trial, he said, My kingdom is not of this world, for then would my servants have fought that I should not be delivered to you. Paul says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not physical things that you can see, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, spiritual things. You know where God's kingdom is? Here in the church? The United States? God's kingdom is right here. And God's kingdom is right here. It's in your heart. Because Jesus wants to rule over your heart. He said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, I am come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. And so while we're working on all these other things, we need to let Jesus truly have our whole heart and reign our heart, in, in our heart. We need to work on getting our hearts right. And once we get our hearts right, gluttony, uh, lasciviousness, all these other things, be way less of a problem to overcome when we quit wanting them and our hearts right. We always have a song of invitation, and this is a good time. Usually the words in the invitation song uh, provoke us to think about the life that we're living. And you don't have to come up here and confess anything to me. I'm not your judge. You can do that between you and God, you and your wife, however you would like to do it. But 
while we stand and sing this song, think about your life and, and think about things that have been said this morning and, and see if maybe we can get our heart in a better condition and our lives in a better condition. Think about that while we stand and sing.